Welcome to this episode of TBR, a series of the EVPL Footnotes podcast. TBR stands for To Be Read, that pile of books sitting on your nightstand, bookshelf, or table just waiting to be read. This is the podcast for people who embody the phrase, so many books, so little time, and for those who want to ignite a love for reading. Every month we'll be highlighting a few of the new items coming to the EVPL collection, from books to movies to our library of things. All right, so we are here talking with Alex. Thank you for joining me, Alex. Hello. This is our June episode of right. the 2BR podcast, as you heard at the top of the show. And so we're talking about all the things that are coming in to the library and it being added to the collection and things that just really particularly piqued our interest and things like that. I was told I should mention this. Probably the main reason I like to have a different guest host each time is this is not the what is Jamie interested in reading show (laughs) because I can and will gravitate toward the things that most pique my interest. But there are just so many things available and so many people with so many different interests that including someone new is always guaranteed to bring a new perspective, some new ideas, a thing that I might not be interested in, but people in our audience might love to experience and so or read or watch or whatever it is we're we're talking about. So as we always do, we'll be going back and forth between Alex and I talking about what has caught our attention this time around. So Alex, why don't you start? Oh, okay. Basically, I I like to consider myself a big movie buff. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) I I watch a lot of movies, but I do read, you know, don't get me wrong. I love love reading, but I love I love watching movies, too. And I saw a few that I see that are coming out on DVD that I thought would be amazing to uh, check out one of them. And I know this is this is one that I've I've actually when I saw the trailer for the first time, I thought, oh, yeah, I I definitely have to see this. And I've yet to still see it. Okay, so what is it? I know, right? The anticipation is killing us. (laughs) Um, it's killing me too, and I know what it is. But it's the unbearable weight of massive talent. Ooh. About Nicolas Cage playing. Nicholas Cage. Oh, now that sounds interesting. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure what words to use for that. I know, because it's like <laughs> Nicholas Cage is such a internet, how do I put this? Everybody's got an opinion on Nicholas Cage. Right, exactly. Good, and, bad, or ugly. <laughs> right, and yeah, right. And there's so many memes out there. I- I'm sure there's hundreds of thousands. You just got to love the guy, though. He's so eccentric in everything he does. Mm-hmm. Yes, over the top, melodramatic as much as possible. <laughs> but I-, I love everything he's, he's done, really. I mean, okay. I love the National treasure films and yep, you know, all I, that. I enjoyed those. I have a handful of Nicolas Cage movies that are among my favorites. Yes. I, yeah. I have a daughter that if he's in it, she's just not going to go there. <laughs> I, I found yeah. online once a pillowcase all covered in different Nicolas Cage oh, images and yes. I threatened to buy it for <laughs> Oh my gosh. Oh, perfect gift. That would yeah. have been harmful to her That would have been traumatizing. So I, I decided not to. <laughs> Have nightmares for weeks. But yeah, no, I I really want to see this film because it is about Nicolas Cage playing himself. Mm -hmm. And Pedro Pascal, who plays the Mandalorian, is in it as well. And he plays Nicolas Cage's like number one fan, essentially. But I but I thought those can be scary. Those can be scary. Well, we've all we've all seen misery, you know. Or we've read the book. I I thought that's kind of where they were gonna go with it. You know, like Pedro Pascal is a a very obsessive fan, but no, they just kind of embark themselves on this misadventure Mm -hmm. and uh, because Nicolas Cage is feeling like his career is kind of at a, a really strong halt you know he's considering maybe like retirement and stuff but he's got friends of his that are encouraging him to no get back in the limelight yeah, you know yeah. get your career back going you know because it's been a while since we've seen Nicolas it's Cage true. in action it's true 
he so, hasn't done anything really recently. I mean, I although so, then, yeah. beside what was it called, Willie's Wonderland? Yes, that was very recent. I saw. Have you seen that? I did. I watched it. What an interesting uh, idea! It uh, was definitely <laughs> not my typical type of watch. Yeah, and so I came away with mixed feelings. <laughs> right, I I did too. Because first of all, I love the idea that he played a character that said nothing. Yeah. I thought that was intriguing. That I thought, was okay. Here, here you see Nicolas Cage talk a lot, yes, go on. He's very yeah. verbose most of the time. Yeah, and I thought, wow, which that I can is... relate to. It, right? It, nope. It might, well, me too. <laughs> um, let's face it, I'm a thespian, you know. So no, I thought Willy's Wonderland was just a very interesting uh, idea because you know it's like Chuck E. Cheese with sure. uh, animatronics that are yes, going to yes. kill you, and here he is just playing this guy, a silent character, just killing and he him never off forgets to take his break. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's what uh, cracks playing me the pinball up. machine and drinking the uh, the soda, like yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like his like energy elixir or something. You know, <laughs> I I love that movie, but beyond. On that, I uh, gosh, it's been so many years since the last new Nicolas Cage film that I've seen, besides that one. And I thought, okay, so The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, okay, which the right. title itself is interesting, too. I'm like, wow, okay. And, but again, it's it's a play on Nicolas Cage himself, Right, of course, and I've and, seen, I mean, yeah. face value, that sounds like a very full of himself type of title, oh, yeah. Yeah. but I think, and I've seen other actors and actresses do this, where they're just totally playing with and leaning into this <laughs> reputation that they have, yeah. you know, yeah. and, I, and I can appreciate it's like their ability to laugh at themselves exactly and i i've seen maybe an interview or two on uh, on the fabulous world of youtube where he discussed that he said yeah i i wanted to do this film because i'm very aware of the internet and the very interesting people out there that have mm-hmm. a fascination with me he's like i'm very aware of that so he goes yeah i i thought you know what why not do this film yeah. so i i respect that as you said i i really do respect that they can poke fun at themselves and yeah. also be in a movie that the whole time is poking fun at yeah them <laughs> That's one that I'm definitely intrigued to see this June. Well, I'm going to be, as I typically do, talking about books. Absolutely. Yes, yes. No, I'm I'm actually intrigued to hear what you got. So I like to do a mix of both fiction and nonfiction. So I'm going to start with the nonfiction. Okay. And I tend to really enjoy memoir type things. Not necessarily a full biography, although, you know, that as well. Sure. When I was in middle school, I just read endless amounts of biographies. I was just fascinated with different people. And so I really like memoirs that give more of a a snapshot of someone's life experience. And so the first one that I'm going to talk about is, it's called Dinner for One, How Cooking in Paris Saved My Life. And the I'm hoping to say this right. The author's name is Satanya Decrease. And she was (laughs) an American who had married a French man and was living in Paris and unexpectedly she got divorced. She, she oh. was heartbroken okay. and all of this. And it was kind of her reexamination of her life, learning to start over cooking for one being that key point of, right. Hey, we were. We were a couple and now we're not. But right. she rediscovered who she was by living in Paris as a single, living in Paris and seeing that culture and that world through the life uh, that was other than the one that she had imagined for herself. Oh, wow. Okay. And so yeah, I, that is encouraging. I, I do like tend that. to yeah. really enjoy memoir type of things, sneak peeks into someone's life. Yeah. I, years yeah. and years ago, I read a similar book and I don't have the title in front of me, but it was about someone who lived in New York City. I think it was called something along the lines of a year of not eating out in New York City. Oh, okay. Which is yeah. significant in and of itself because that's what people do. Yeah. That's that in New York City, you know, yeah. you just, you know, 
know, not a lot of people cook at home. They, right, they right. go out. And so she spent an entire year just cooking and organizing dinner parties or just for herself and okay. her partner and just that whole memoir fooling. And not all of the memoirs I like her about food, but um, a number of them are. I, I enjoyed reading yeah. Julia Child's memoirs. I see. I, like I, that. That's what it kind of reminded me of was uh, Julia, Julia and Julia. You yes, know, I, I love that's that kind movie. of what it reminds me of for some reason. You know, I thought actually I really thought you were going to say Julia Child for a moment. I yeah. went, wait a minute. But, no, th- but no. she, but no, she's been married most of her life. You know what I mean? She's been okay. I <laughs> yeah, mean, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I, um, I love that movie. And the idea of just, like you said, you know, discovering something about yourself, building on yourself out of something that was so heartbreaking and so right, emotionally, right. Tra- you know, I, I love, I love stories like that, that there's that sense of hope within yes. yourself. Yes. And, um, because we're all going to encounter heartbreak. Yeah. And getting to view someone else's life and not just that they have a heartbreak, even if it's not the same thing, they, they've experienced heartbreak and you can imagine what it would be like because you've had your own. Oh yeah. But how did they rediscover and what can you learn from that journey? Right. You know, right, and I, yeah. I feel like that's, I mean, I like getting, uh, the perspective of another pe- person's life experience, mm-hmm. but also even if it's one little crumb of thing, can I learn from yeah, what they yeah. did that I could apply to my journey? Absolutely. And, and again, I, I, I use the word encouraging because yes. it really is. I mean, yes. you read through it and you start kind of uh, digging within yourself, you know, things mm-hmm. that you're like, wow, I'm surprising myself of what I could mm-hmm. maybe change differently, uh, you know, within my life somehow, some way. Even though there's a, sometimes there's not really a, a necessity for the change. You know what I mean? Like in some way, I, I, I have those moments where I'll, I'll read something or watch something, you know, in a movie and just go, you know, just makes, makes you just kind of reevaluate yeah. things. Yeah. And, um, I think and I love that. Yeah. I think that's healthy. It is. It is. Absolutely. It, it's the human soul you're, you know, rediscovering more and more about. And, right. and, and I love that. So that, that's the thing I may have to check out. Yeah. May look into. I'm not one with the culinary arts. I, yes. I can make a mean grilled cheese. And, you know, uh, maybe some good spaghetti, but that's about it. You know, but like, you can rock out on the keyboard. I can rock it on the keyboard, though. So, yeah, that's right. That's right. Which maybe I should segue into my Why second. Why don't we do that? <laughs> so our library of things. Yes. We did have the, the rollout keyboards for right. a while, which I know I, as a keyboardist, because I'm in a band and I've played for quite some time. I'm just going to gloat here for one second or two. <laughs> maybe Enjoy for your a minute. moment. Yeah, exactly. Right. Here we go. Here we go. All right. Listen up. I thought all oh, these rollout keyboards, like oh, they're cute and all. And I think they're great for kids, you mm-hmm. know, like to learn. That's how I learned, you know, was on a base. I mean, not a rollout keyboard, but I just a simple little keyboard. And I learned like Mary had a little lamb and yes, yes. all that stuff. And uh-huh. then, and then my uh, mom and dad, um, they got me a, a keyboard, mm-hmm. but it was one of those uh, Casio keyboards that the keys light up. Oh, so it taught me my chords and certain songs wow. to play like Beatles and, you know, for Elise and things uh-huh. like that, sure, you know, sure. so from, from classic rock to classics and or classical, I learned from that. And then I taught myself not to sound like a prodigy here, but I mm-hmm. taught myself how to play piano and how to read mm-hmm. a little bit, sight read. But then I had somebody kind of teach me a little sure. bit further into that. But the library of things now is going to have full size keyboards that yes. are actually like That's awesome. Yeah. That's really awesome. Not to date myself, but to follow up on that, when I was in middle school, my mom decided I needed to learn piano. Oh, yeah. And so I would go over for my lesson, and it didn't last long, and I think this is one of the main reasons. We had no piano for practice, and so I was given a cardboard keyboard 
to oh, just kind yeah. of okay. That's just not conducive <laughs> because yeah, there's. I mean, there's 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 no feedback if mm. you've hit the right or wrong note. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's just like, and and there's just this whole fingering thing that goes with, uh-huh. and it's like that just can't be reproduced on a piece of cardboard. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I suppose someone who is a prodigy could. But I was not that person. <laughs> to be fair, I don't know that I would have taken off if I'd had a proper keyboard to practice on. But that is the nice thing about that being a part of the library of things. Yeah. Nobody knows when they introduce their child to an instrument oh, or yeah. themselves to an instrument that they've thought about playing, and whether yeah. it's going to really click or not. And before the investment of hundreds of dollars potentially. Oh yeah. Yeah. You can try it out. Exactly. See if it clicks. Oh yeah. Is there an interest? Is there a skill there that could be encouraged? I think I think it's wonderful because uh, it's, it's one of those things where especially in schools right now. I mean, it's gotten better over the years, but I know there was a time where, you know, they were cutting music programs left yes. and right. Yes. And then there's kind of, you know, word through the grapevine that that may happen again. Uh. And I know, and I, I hate hearing that because music is so important in, in our lives. I mean, we all listen to music. Yes. If you're the kind of person that goes, oh, I hate music, I'm like, mm, yeah. <laughs> well, I've always said that on my planet, music is like the weather. Yeah. It's yes. just yeah. a part of the atmosphere. It oh, exists. Yeah. yeah. I would feel like the gravity had gotten shut off. Yeah. Music was no longer present. Right. Yeah. I'm eclectic with my music taste. Me I mean, too. I can branch from something pop to... Oh, uh, independent rock to this to that, and you know, and I'm always going to try to listen to something new on my. Uh, I have my Apple Music, you sure. know, and mm-hmm. I'll I'll just kind of let it play through some different songs or different artists, and I'm like, I've never would have even thought to look into that, but you know, so to encourage playing music, I right. think is great, and you know, again, like you said, some people surprise themselves that oh wow, you know, I never even thought I would want to pick up the saxophone or pick up the violin or pick up the piano, right. and, and suddenly surprise myself that I can actually do it and that's kind of what happened with me as a kid i just watched my choir teacher mm-hmm. in elementary school play mm-hmm. on a, the piano and i went i was just fascinated by yes. that instrument i just went i want to do that yes. <laughs> well exactly well yeah. exactly and and i feel like there are things that just click with us for yeah. some undetermined reason right and if you've <laughs> and got happens. access to the materials mm-hmm then that can be a game changer for someone. Exactly. And I, that's why the library things, I'm so glad that we have that now. So next up on my list, yes. this is a, my second nonfiction pick, is Dear Papa, The Letters of Patrick and Ernest Hemingway. Oh, so Ernest Patrick Hemingway. was Ernest Hemingway's son. Okay, yeah. And it, it's basically the correspondence that spanned over 20 years okay. between father and son. Oh, and, I bet that's going to be fascinating. And glimpses yeah. into how he interacted with his children, things he did with them, how he spent his time. I mean, there's that larger than life image that we have of famous people like Ernest Hemingway, Mm -hmm. who, of course, is a name that almost anybody recognizes, whether they've read his books or not. Right. Yeah. You know? And so what is behind the curtain? What is the family like? Yeah. What What were those interactions? What were those personal moments? What were the conflicts? Oh, and I, I, again, I bet that's so fascinating because Ernest Hemingway is an interesting character to learn about more and more. You're, You're just like, wow, he did that. He did that. Is it that picture that that one? You know which one I'm talking about. I think so. The 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 turtleneck the, yep. with the beard. Yes, and yes. He looks like a fisherman that just you know yes. fought off Moby Dick or something. You know, <laughs> you know, like he, he really does. I'm just like, wow, he looks so epic. I don't know why, but he's he's got a story of himself that I would love to learn more and right, more about. So, right, I yeah. I'm often fascinated, especially if it's an whether an actor or writer that I particularly enjoy. What what was the life that shaped them into? 
the author or the actor or the yeah, artist that they yeah. became. Oh, see, now that's something I would love to look into for sure. So yeah. th- this is from the son's perspective. I mean, as far as... Well, the author's names were, of course, Ernest himself, because mm-hmm. he was the author of the part of the letters and then Patrick. And then, and honestly, I didn't include it. So there's another Hemingway that was involved oh. probably in the editing process. Okay. And okay. So, but you were talking about that image of him. And of course, he is the writer who wrote The Old Man in the Sea. I believe today, I don't know if this has always been true. I'm, I'm really curious, actually, when I think about it. <laughs> Famous people tend to have certain personas. And so for some people, those are intentional created personas. Okay, yeah. And I think for some people, that's just really who they were. Right. Ernest Hemingway, I I feel like back in the day, he was just being Ernest Hemingway. Sure, yeah. You know, (laughs) other people are creating an image. Yeah. And so when we get to read those personal correspondences, you actually get to parse that out. Yeah. How much was Ernest Hemingway's public persona a reflection of just who he was as a person? Right, right. Yeah, exactly. I'm trying to think of the author that really fascinates me because I've watched a documentary and I I read a a book about uh, J.D. Salinger, Catcher in the Rye, right? about his reclusive lifestyle. And there's a documentary that I watched about it and I, I thought to myself, I'm like, I've read Catcher in the Rye, right. and I, I love the book, mm-hmm. but I really wanted to know about who the author was, and, right. and apparently that was, he just kind of shut, he shut himself off from the world. He was very, and, very reclusive, yes. Yeah. I'm so fascinated by things like that, like why? Because mm-hmm. he was such a, a social guy, and when he was an author, like when he was writing all these, you know, wonderful books at the time, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and then just unexpectedly he just goes i'm tired of this lifestyle i I don't like this i don't like pretending to be somebody that i'm not and again the documentary kind of digs deep into that you know but then when it gets to the point of him living more reclusively Mm -hmm. like the howard hughes story you know i mean like Mm -hmm. like what was he like and 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 then you saw that the the movie the uh the aviator with uh, leonardo dicaprio and and i thought that's really interesting and there's so many uh biographies you know about howard hughes and i'm sure on jd salinger but Again, I, I'm just fascinated by why did they decide at one point in their life to just go, I'm done with this, you yes, know? Yes. Like, it, it's just, I don't know, things like that, you know, just it's really intrigue me. Yeah. Especially when it's an abrupt change of behavior. Exactly. And, uh, and that's why I was just like, okay, okay. That, that's something that I would really be intrigued to learn more, especially Ernest Hemingway. I'd, I'd love to learn more about him. Yeah. What did Ernest Hemingway do, you know, that, you know, made him so prolific? He was uh, he was quite on the adventure, I guess. He did things and wrote about it. Perhaps, yeah, you know? <laughs> and exactly right. So who knows? Who knows? Uh, the, the mystery builds on because, you know, unless you're with the guy 24-7, you, you really don't know. So what's next up on your list? Like I said, I'm a movie buff. But the next one that I saw that's coming out this June, The Northman by Robert Eggers, okay. who did The Witch and okay. The Lighthouse. And now he's doing The Northman. Okay. He just loves those titles with the, you know, or the, the singularity <laughs> subject right. matter. Yeah. Yeah. He loves that. The Northman is coming out on DVD and I'm fascinated by this filmmaker, first of all, because, um, he, he started off with the company A24. Okay. Which, if you're familiar with the company A24, they make all those very, um, like art house type movies, like, Ooh. uh, Midsommar, uh, they did uh, that. I see, I see. Yeah, the, the very, like, you, the cinematography is all very peculiar. It's just, how do I describe this? <laughs> very, like I said, art house, but mm-hmm. not, not too art house, if that makes sense, but very independently made is what, okay. is what it looks like. Okay. 
looks okay. like. Somewhere between the blockbuster and the obscure. Yes. It's actually a perfect way to put it because that's how Robert Eggers, especially that's how he films. Like if you, if you've seen The Witch, I, I think it's beautifully filmed, especially well acted. He, he did a lot of research, uh, to see how they spoke in that time. Interesting. And I think it was the 17th century, you know, okay. the, during the Salem witch trials and all. Yeah. But, I have a lot of respect for people who really do their homework and aren't just yeah. trying to throw out a film or a book. Yeah. That's what, I mean, he did that with the, the witch, but also this movie, The Northman. Okay. Which is about Vikings. I was wondering because I'm like, you know, with a title, it can be almost anything, but it made me think initially of the Vikings. Yeah. And it's got really a a stellar cast, uh, Ethan Hawke and uh, Nicole Kidman, Willem Dafoe. She's, she's someone I'm a big fan of. Yeah. I I like Nicole Kidman, (laughs) but it's a story about revenge. It looks like the kind of film that has that Shakespearean drive where the main actor, I, his uh, father is killed off wrongfully. You know, by a relative. I'm, I'm, okay. a, I think through very the trailer, I saw that very, then, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I went, mm, okay, I see where this is going. And, and then there's this really interesting scene in the trailer. The kid, he, he's rowing off in this boat in, in the ocean saying, you know, I will avenge you, father. I will. I promise. I mm-hmm. promise. And, and then, you know, years have progressed to where he's strengthened up and now he's taking revenge. Now for his he can dad. make good on that promise yes and uh so again those stories of revenge they they can be quite intense yes uh, but for a good reason also you got to be careful with how you do that you know what i mean you you can't yes yes Yes. that i feel like and this is true of both books and movies they allow us to explore feelings and experiences that we don't actually have to live right but you got to be careful about the takeaway yeah because yeah, that yeah. could drive people to do things that they should not be doing. There's there's that revelation in the end of who was really the villain. Was it all meant to happen or was it, you know, was it a purposeful cause? You know, mm-hmm. what what were they meant to do that? Holding a grudge for so long and then you, you, you hold it for so long that, you, that you've turned yourself into this right. villainous. Did you become the enemy that you hated? Exactly. Yeah. And and that's why I'm like, sometimes you got to be careful with that when you when you tell that in a, in a yes. story. And, yes. But I'm intrigued to see how, how Robert Eggers does, you know, with the North man in, in that mm-hmm. sense and because his last film the lighthouse dealt with the the cabin feverish you know two men stuck on an island in this lighthouse uh-huh. and they're stuck there for like weeks oh, that sounds bad exactly <laughs> willem dafoe too i mean could you imagine being uh, I mean, with... he's right off the bat a little crazy yeah <laughs> <laughs> and then uh robert pattinson you know of twilight fame but i i know i'd hate to say that because he he really has uh grown as as an as excellent an actor. actor i've heard in an interview that he had where he he thought he, he lost his dignity when he did twilight interesting you know and then he got it back when he started doing more serious more stuff mm-hmm. um that wasn't part of a fandom base because he was also in harry potter you know and so you know he, he was doing all this like big mm-hmm. franchise stuff and now he's like no 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 i want to start doing things that people are going to go he's doing that like the lighthouse was one where uh-huh. it's an interesting film and you go wow that's robert pattinson you know yeah he's doing fantastic but also it's a weird movie but i actually <laughs> saw him I wish I could remember the name of the movie, but I remember it, it made me do the wait. Isn't that the guy from Twilight? Yeah. You know, <laughs> and it was, it was a family drama oh. and it was really, really good and it was really well done. Yeah. He did yeah. a brilliant job of it. So, well, you see that you're seeing that now with a lot of different actors. What was it? The Spider-Man film, the right. new one that came out with uh, Andrew Garfield suddenly mm-hmm. getting this recognition, you know, for how amazing of an actor he really is. 
because I remember when the Spider-Man films that he did just alone, mm-hmm. the amazing Spider-Man films, people, critics especially, just bashed those films. Yeah. And they said, oh, he's not, he's not Peter Parker. He's not Spider-Man. Why would they ever cast that, that guy? You know? You're right. And now people are like, no, 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 we want him back. Mm. You know, that he has a, a, a fan base that, they want him back, you know? And so when, when he appeared in No Way Home, sorry, spoiler alert, if anybody's <laughs> listening, oh my goodness. But by now, you had to have seen it, right? It's um, been out long enough. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so not too soon. I recall seeing a video, again, on the fabulous world of YouTube, where somebody was illegally filming in the theater room when his scene came and he, he appeared. The whole theater room just burst into cheers. Wow. You know, and I thought that's so great. But Andrew Garfield's an, an excellent actor and many other things besides playing Spider-Man. Again, like Harry Potter, you know, Daniel Radcliffe, he's an excellent actor too. Yes. But he's always going to be known as Harry Potter. Elijah Wood. <laughs> Elijah Wood is yes. going to be known as Frodo Baggins, you know. But yeah. he's done so much more but than that. But he's done so much. And, yes. they, and they're all great, fantastic actors that, yeah, I, I, you feel for him. But then you got to go, you know what? Hey, I did a lot of work. I did a lot of hard work on those films to make the fans please. So I'm glad I did it. But I'm also glad I'm doing even better work, right. you know. <laughs> it's It's nice to get to that point where now you can kind of chart your own course a little bit yeah. instead of having, I mean, I guess it's tricky if you're typecast, Yeah, it's harder yeah. to branch out. But exactly. if you have established yourself, then you've got a little bit more say in what projects you choose. Right, right. So It also helps to have a good agent, I think. That's uh, true. <laughs> I Accurate. mean, I don't know the whole Hollywood stuff, but right. maybe so. But just to, to prove yourself. And again, just talking about rediscovering something about yourself. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I could do that. Even though you've never done it before, probably. You know, like as an actor. And again, being a thespian, you know, a theater major <laughs> and whatnot. You know. When I get into that mode, I start talking like this too. But yeah, no, I, I know what that's like because I've always been typecast as the the goofball, the the character. I am a character actor because okay. I've played a variety of different characters. I played from an abusive husband in a, a show called Dark at the Top of the Stairs by mm. William Inge. Mm. Very dark role. I had to go into a very dark place to wow. do that. I hated myself, you know, yeah. most of the time because I hated the character I was. Yeah, you were embodying something that you could yeah. not. Because it, yeah. it's a very dark, well, dark at the top. It's in the yeah. title, but I played this husband in the 1920s, Oklahoma, mm-hmm. uh, where his wife buys a dress for their daughter, and mm-hmm. he, you know, they're they're impoverished, and and he's like. You you think you think money just grows on trees? You right. think you just buy her? And she's like, no, she needs to feel beautiful for the, you know, for the school dance. You have right. to understand. And right. I'm like, no, 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 no. This this isn't about a school dance. This is about us right now. Mm-hmm. And it, and it escalates from there. Oh, wow. So yeah, you know. Uh, and then I played from that to uh, you know, uh, Boy George and Wedding Singer the musical. <laughs> So, uh, so a range. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So sorry to go off tangent there, but yeah, it's fun. That's why I love. I haven't acted in a while, but I'd like to get back to it. So, but anyway, the North man, definitely check it out. I, I'm definitely going to check it out. Um, if, and if you haven't seen Robert Eggers, you know, previous Mm -hmm. films, definitely watch them. The witch, the lighthouse. And now the Northman. Yeah, I, so. I'm intrigued by you saying it's got a Shakespearean bent yeah. because I, I mean, I like Shakespearean in and of itself as mm-hmm. if it's well done, but <laughs> I like things that are just are kind of Shakespeare adjacent that okay. have the vibe. Like I remember uh, watching the Brother Cad file. Oh, mysteries. Yes. And it yes. took me a okay. long time just because I was swept along with the story, realizing that their, their cadence and their discussion and their, 
vocabulary, not surprisingly, if I'd have thought about it, was very Shakespearean in nature. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I'm surprised I didn't notice that before, but I just enjoyed it. Exactly. And then one day I just went, hey, wait a minute. (laughs) (laughs) So the fact that you mentioned the Shakespearean element to it made me intrigued. So I'll definitely be putting that on my hold list. Absolutely. And I mean, again, it looks beautifully shot. You know, the cinematography is, I don't know what cinematographers he's approaching, but they're they're the best in the business because from what I'm seeing just from, you know, small clips in a trailer, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh my gosh, so beautiful. You right. know, it just hooks you in. So, <laughs> so okay. n- next up on my list, now that yes. now we're getting into the fiction, oh. which to be fair is more my jam. I do like nonfiction, but my go-to is typically fiction. So okay. there's a book called The Drowning Sea by Sarah Stewart Taylor. Now it's book three in the Maggie Darcy series. Oh, and okay. What intrigued me about this one is, uh, as I read the description, is it's got that, even though it's set in the modern day, it's got that very gothic mystery kind okay, of vibe, yes. which is yes. definitely oh. something I really enjoy. I, I don't only read that type of thing. Mm. I do read very eclectically, but I mean, I really, really enjoy that gothic mysterious vibe. Yes. And so yeah. it's set in Ireland, oh, okay. even though the main character is a New York detective. Okay. okay. There's some family connection with Ireland. Uh, there was a mystery involving a cousin that went missing years ago, and that's addressed in her first book. Oh, okay. So the first book in that series was The Mountains Wild, and that is oh, the book okay. in which her cousin goes missing. And she comes over from New York to Ireland to look into what has happened. Okay. okay. And so that's the beginning of her journey. And since I, ha- I I haven't read either of them yet, and I'm notorious <laughs> yeah. for finding something that sounds really good to read and go, oh, that's book three. I have yeah. to go read book one now. <laughs> but go that, being said, yeah. that being said, I'm really interested. And for those that are already familiar with oh, this yeah. writer and the series, then you can anticipate the newest release. Oh, yeah. So that'll be great. That will be great. All right. Treat it just like, oh, it's a prequel. You know, like I've done that. I'm trying to think of which series it was. Chronicles of Narnia. Oh. But I, I haven't read from the beginning, uh, The Magician's Nephew onward. Yeah. The, the thing about um, that particular series was it was not, when it was originally released, it wasn't released in a chronological order. Yeah. But they've, so they've done sets where the first book is The Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe, and the third book, I think, is The Magician's Nephew. Right. But, but that's the prequel. Yeah, but now right. you can get sets where it yeah. does it chronologically, where it starts out with The Magician's Nephew. And right. Forward. So I'm sure C.S. Lewis or so, you know, he's just like yes. laying a foot down, like, all right, now, uh, this that is, is how it should be. That's not how I wrote it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. This is the beginning. And I, I didn't realize that until I saw on the back of the book. I was familiar with the series anyway, but there's been a number of times someone will come up and say, well, I want number three in that series. And I'll <laughs> yeah. go, okay. Yeah. Now, there's two ways it's been released. When you say number three, yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> which one are we talking about? Anytime I, I look through some you know new books or pull one out and I'm like, hmm, let me see. And then, you know, I read on the back of the synopsis and or inside. and uh, But then I, I realize that, uh, oh, from the same author that brought you this and this. Mm-hmm. And uh, now they're on a new adventure. And I'm like, oh, so this is not the first. Okay. I'll still read it. Mm-hmm. I, I like starting at a point with books. Uh, if it's in a, if it's in a series. Now, I've never done this with like Harry Potter or not even Lord of the Rings. You know, I, I mean, I've, I've tried to read chronological, you know, where I, I've read in the way that it should be read. But some books, I, I, I remember James Patterson, detective. 
Cross? Alex yes, Cross. Alex Cross. My name. Uh, that's because that's what stood out to me. I went, ooh, there's a book about Alex. And uh, to gloat even more. Um, but yeah, and then I, I remember reading, uh, I can't remember, but it was, you know, like book five or six okay, of Alex uh, Cross. Uh-huh. And then and then I remember going like, oh, wow, okay, well, I, I need to go back. I need to like see what, uh, like, where's the starting point with this character? Right, right. But it's always nice to start kind of in <laughs> at a place where he's been through it all. You know, what's what's next? Maybe this is even more climactic, you know, that that kind of thing. And, and so I, I would do that. I, w- I would start reading in the middle of, of a series of books that, you know, I would never start from the beginning. I would just start kind of midway and then I would work my way back. Just cause I, I don't know. I, I, the character's already well developed and I'm sure by this point the author himself or herself has it figured out. I always like reading about a very well written out character that's been, you know, <laughs> I personally, and this is just me. Some people really like the chronological style. Sure. And I like it to a degree. If I find that there's a series, I will absolutely go to the first book and, mm-hmm. and read forward. But that being said, I kind of like how the characters got these bits about their personality or their life that you're like, huh, sure. why yeah, are they yeah. like that? And then as <laughs> yeah. their character develops, you go, oh, I see okay, yeah. what shaped this. New surprises. Or why this happens yeah. or why this has become their habit or why they hate this. I, I guess I just don't like everything all at once. <laughs> I like, it's like getting to know a person. Right, right. You know, there's just little snippets that we learn as we interact with them. And so as I read a book and a character and you know more and more about their life or their history, then you're like, oh, this makes so much more sense. This makes so much more sense. Yeah. And you're right. I I think uh, the building blocks are always nice to follow along with rather than suddenly you have the whole wall built. And I I write scripts. I, I, you know, that's kind of my thing right now that I do off and on. I write film scripts or Mm -hmm. series scripts. I've been working on a a mystery right now called uh, Purple Tree, which is about an organization of these uh, agents that actually go out and they kill people, but with their consent. So say a person who's terminally ill, okay, they give their consent for them to okay. like the death, uh, death with, with dignity act, right, you know, right, that, right, it's right. like that, but it's, it's a secret organization of I these see. people that go out to, kill people with their consent and then i imagine oh what if where where could i go with that oh let's see conspiracy theories you know there's this group of conspiracy theorists out there who think that their loved ones weren't just killed naturally or or, you know or anything like that exactly that that they were they were killed off by somebody Mm -hmm. and they start connecting these little things here and there of oh there's an organization out there so so yeah that i i things like that like and i'm i'm working on this main character ethan who gets dragged into this organization Mm -hmm. inadvertently because he witnesses his uncle, who's been working with the organization for years, uh-huh. on the job, oh. but he wasn't supposed to. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so his uncle gives him a choice. Um, either he kills him off or he joins him into the organization because he's like, I can't just let you go from this. You know, yeah, they'll, they'll, yeah. they'll hunt you down. They'll find you because they know that you know what I know. And nobody can know. Nobody can know. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. All in all, nobody can know. All right. Um, even though we know these things, it's a really kind of, you know, on my downtime, whenever I get a thing that I just, I'm working on these scripts. But, uh, again, like you said, it, it is always interesting, even as a writer to see what, what new developments you make from these characters. Like, why did they do that? Like you, you add in these little 
things that they do, you know, mm-hmm. these little, uh, I don't know, details of, of what they're doing and why would you put that on there? You just wanted to put it on there. Like I do that a lot. I'll, right. I'll say, oh, they did this. And then later on you go, oh, that's why they did that's that. That's why they did that. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, cause you have to kind of explain yourself too. Like, why did I write that? And then, right. oh, but if somebody's reading this, I got to tell them what it is, you know, why they did that. What was the, the purpose? It keeps the character from being too, <laughs> two dimensional. I'm yeah. trying to say that. Because right. I've got two twos there. <laughs> two twos. Yeah. Two twos. But yeah. So again, yeah, the mystery is always one of my fascinations. Mm-hmm. And uh, book wise, uh, movie wise, uh, whichever it will be, or show wise. And, and that's why writing scripts or um, sometimes I'll write like little short stories, uh, novellas or something like that, you know, and just mm-hmm. do that. Kind of like Stephen King does with, you know, some of his stuff. Like right. he'll write those short stories. And that was one more thing I wanted to add was uh, there's a book called Stephen King's Dollar Babies. Not by Stephen King. But oh, it is, but it is like collections of his writings and, but interviews of dollar babies, which are short stories that filmmakers would, you know, buy for a dollar from oh, wow. Stephen King because Stephen King's like, Hey, yeah, sure. Here, I'm going to give it to you for a dollar and you can go ahead and produce it and all that stuff. Do with, do with it what you will. You know, it's, it's a book that I believe is newer. I think it came out last summer, but it's something to really look into. So, but Stephen King's also another uh, author that I just love as well. All right. Well, for my last fiction book that I'm yes. going to mention yes. is now this is the sequel to a book that I have read. Okay. And it's a duology. So it's just a two part series. But the first book, which I'll mention uh, before I unveil this title, it was oh. called For the Wolf. And it's okay. by Hannah Witten. And I think okay. I probably mentioned that in a previous podcast. I love retellings of fairy tales and fables and things like this. And so this is a take of the Red Riding Hood story where there's this kingdom where the lineage is through the women and the first daughter is for the throne and the second daughter is for the wolf. And so if a second daughter is born, then at a certain age, she is taken to what's known as the Wilderwood and sent in. It basically is a sacrifice to keep wow. peace between yeah. the kingdom and this dangerous land and the creatures that inhabit it. Oh, wow. And so yeah. I've read For the Wolf because they started with the second daughter. Okay. Okay. And as expected, of course, the fables and tales that they grew up with and were taught are not exactly accurate. And so when she goes into the woods, she discovers that what she has been trained to believe her entire life is not exactly Oh, truth. Yeah. Yeah. Know? Okay. And so I completed that book. Yeah. It was really good. I feel like it could be adapted to a movie really, really I, well. I, that's why I'm visually just, there's you know at least what I mean? one like, scene yeah. that I, I swear I could hear it in surround sound. Yeah. When I saw that one, when I read that one scene. Oh, that's really so intriguing. The, yeah. the sequel that is being released this month is called For the Throne, which of course is From the, the first, older yeah. daughter and, and the whole interaction and what becomes of her. And, and there's of course all these things going on in the back background between the Wilderwood, but also these characters that are coming into play in the kingdom that are manipulating say, uh, yeah. and controlling and steering and trying to help and trying to harm and things yeah. of that nature. And so I, mean, I when yeah. I first read For the Wolf, it didn't catch me right away. But okay. again, I do tend to like slow burns. Okay. Rather yeah. than uh, yeah. something that dives me right in. I like a little bit of a build. Yeah. And so when I finished it, I'm like, well, that, that wasn't bad. I didn't give it my highest marks, but I enjoyed it. But I found that now that I've sat with the story for a while. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to this one coming out and I've already placed it on hold. I mean, all the books that you, you've talked about are, are 
incredible. I mean, but this one definitely is up there. The upper, the upper echelon. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's up there to where I'm like, oh, okay, I may, I may have to really look into this, but for, for the wolf and then the next one, this upcoming one. The second the one is for the throne. Mm-hmm. I think that I mean, I'm Witten. really intrigued about more of the, the development of the kingdom and how this all came to be. Exactly. I really would like to know. And I'm because sure it's a thing as you read the story that has gone on for generations. Okay, and they yeah, talked about yeah. past daughters that were sent into the wilder wood right. and things of that nature Ooh, and yeah. and how their families adapted to that and and what's yeah. really intriguing and for the wolf mm-hmm. which I won't give away too much but the interaction between the second daughter who is basically born to be a sacrifice yeah. and her mother and her basically the distance she maintains Oh, okay. from this daughter yeah. that she knows is just yeah. not going to live past a certain birthday, at least in her mind's eye. Wow. Gosh. And so it's, it's very really deep. And I love things like that where they take old fairy tales, you know. Yes, uh, me just too. Simple I fables and really enjoy uh, yeah. fable spinoffs mm-hmm. or even just fables that I'm less familiar with from a culture that I've not read as much of. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And and I just I love how they expand that world. Yes. You know, just like, oh, there's so much more that we could do with that. And I again kind of the same with what we were talking about with Shakespeare earlier. Yes. I mean, you know, how, how to play around with that. I, I think it's so fascinating that somebody could just sit there and go like, well, what if, you know, mm-hmm. what if this happened in that world? That is Same the beginning, idea. I feel like, of yeah. every single story. Either what if yeah. or why. Because fairy yeah. tales are built out of the whys. Exa- right. You know, right. why does the sun do this or the yeah. moon do that? Or anything, and a fable is born. Well, yeah, and you know, working in the uh, the Reed Center, you know, working with kids, sometimes we'll read these fairy tales or these books of classic fairy tales, especially because I'm doing the puppets. You oh know, yeah, thing. right. And our puppet show each has a, a classic fairy tale, like this one that we have coming up is Jack and the Beanstalk, because our summer reading program is themed growth. So um, I thought, oh, Jack and the Beanstalk, and. You know, reading about it, I'm like, oh, wow, it's a lot darker than I, you know what I mean, than I I recall. Well, and the original tales were much darker than what we currently have in our storybooks. (laughs) Yeah, and then I Which is probably for the best when you're talking (laughs) about bedtime reading. (laughs) Right, exactly, because I was like, where is the message here for kids, you know? And and I I looked up that because, you know, like Little Red Riding Hood is about, you know, don't talk to strangers, that, you know, like there's there's a message there. But then, and Jack and the Beanstalk is... Take initiative of the things that are given to you, you know, that kind right. of thing uh, with the beans and, you right, know, he exactly. takes it in. Things like that. And you're like, we're teaching kids these messages, but then you, you learn about the truth behind the story of, right. you know, what it really is. Mm-hmm. And, and you're just like, what? Over time, I'm sure these stories, yeah, as classic as they are, have been edited down yes. to where, okay, yes. now they're kid friendly. But when they first came out, you know, the Brothers Grimm stories, especially, we're, grim. Yeah, we're very grim. <laughs> so, you know, it, it makes sense. Yeah, because then you're thinking, Brothers Grimm, okay, that makes a lot of sense now. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. yeah. Why would exactly. they be called that and make these nice, you know, cheerful <laughs> tales for kids? You know, I think that's that's uh, For the Wolf and then For the Throne is yes, the new one that's coming that's, out. That's um, right. Which I think that's just a, a fascinating story. So. We <laughs> have so many things, literally hundreds of items added every month. And it's mm. really exciting. And to be totally transparent here, all the books that I talk about are books that I literally want to read. But my life not being something that 
spends nothing but reading books, <laughs> yeah. I often don't even get to all of these books <laughs> right? because yeah. there's just so many out there. And these are just the ones I'm mentioning on the show, not to mention my long, long, long list of books like, oh, I want to read that. Oh, yeah. I'm running to that, you know, so. <laughs> but no, I mean, uh, since I just talked about movies and then our library of things, now I have something that I can think about reading right. in the in the near future, which I that's kind of my goal this year is to read more. Yes. You know, at working at a library. Carve out that time. Exactly. And and, and yeah. There's, the minute I, I have finally turned everything else off and I start reading, I'm there and I'm present and I enjoy it. It's getting to that moment of turning everything else off that's challenging. Yeah. Because I do that. I'll, I'll start reading a book. I'll get halfway through it. And then I stop. And then things intervene. Things intervene. Right. Then you right. just forget right. over time about the book. And you're like, oh, now I kind of got to start I gotta over. Got to start over. Yeah. Yes, exactly. I mean, because I forgot I certain key points. I'm going to I'm gonna continue where I you know, left off. And I'm going to be like, wait, what? Oh, oh, yeah. Why? You know, I have to go back and flip some pages and go, oh, that's why. Okay. You know, reread. I might as well just reread the whole book again. Right. Right. <laughs> or reread the book. Well, this is again. the perfect time for that. Because yeah. on June 1st, we started our summer reading program, yes. which of course is not limited to children. Yeah, no, exactly. And so yeah. adults are very welcome to be a part of the mm-hmm. reading program and staff members are participating. And it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, a part of that launch was just, just oh, yeah. this influx of people signing up and things like that. And exactly. so I'm looking forward to the books that I'm going to check off as I read this summer. Yeah. The, the, to complete the goal for this summer's reading program is simply to read 10 books. You can even expand from that. You can read yes, exactly. 10 more books. You know, exactly. If you want. Yeah. With our, with our log books that were, that are handed out, you know, yeah, the goal is 10, but again, you can get another log book and read 10 more. You know, we encourage so much reading yes. as much as possible. So like with our kids programs, uh, the 300 books before third grade right. and a thousand books before kindergarten, kindergarten. Mm-hmm. you can always look into that through the remainder of the year too. So, you know, well, for the remainder of so many years before they get into kindergarten before they get into third grade we really try to encourage kids especially to you know get a good starting point on reading absolutely and And then just expand from that into into adulthood which i'm still trying to do but i'll get there (laughs) i promise all right well thank you alex for joining me today it's been fun talking about movies and things and books and exactly all the many many things that the library has to offer absolutely tbr is a series of the evpl footnotes podcast Please like, follow, and subscribe for more great episodes. For comments or questions, our email address is podcast at evpl.org.